What's happening, folks? A couple of nurses is back for another episode. This one's going to be jam-packed, full of nursing knowledge, right? All about the knowledge. And thank you guys, first of all, for listening, tuning in, whoever does. Um, this motivates us to keep on producing high-quality content. Don't forget to like, comment, share. Hit the five stars if you really think we deserve it. I think we do. And quick little announcement, of course, podcast, vlogs, Patreon, all that is out. But on April 20th, 420, we have an announcement that's coming out. Super exciting news, a little project we have been working on for quite some time. So don't forget to remember that date. Put it down on your calendar. 420, Cup of Nurses is making an announcement. And also, we've been very, very busy, and we always need more time, need more help. So if you are a nursing student or somebody that's into social media management, content creation, and would like to help out Cup of Nurses, us, with what we're doing, hit us up on Instagram or at uh, info at cupofnurses.com, and maybe you guys could work with us. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing just peachy, Matt. Thank you for a beautiful introduction. I hope someone out there is willing to help us out. It's, you know, we do a lot, and you know, we're growing, and you can grow with us. But on today's episode, like Matt said, another nursing knowledge-filled episode. Today, we're going to talk about five common challenges that we face in nursing, those being reversal of DNR orders, job satisfaction, inconsistent workflow, service sector mentality, and hospital politics. Something that maybe should have been covered in nursing school, which isn't right. But instead, what do we got? Freaking care plans, dude. Right. <laughs> and then these challenges, you know, they're not just to, to one hospital or to just one work environment. It seems like for the most part, they're pretty universal. Yes. Man, I have been traveling for a little bit and we see the politics going on. All these challenges in, in California, the same as we saw it in Illinois. Yeah. These things just fall in nursing. And it's just crazy because we spend 12 hours a day in what environment, these kind of things are going to develop. There's always going to be challenges because technically it is it is a big part of your life, right? It's not just a career, you're actually living in it. So it's understandable why these challenges occur. And in nursing, we do have a specific set of challenges, but there's challenges associated just with any kind of career or job, right? Exactly. And that's why we also you know, do challenges like the 4x4 or 48 outside of work because the mental toughness that we develop outside of work prepares us for what happens in shift mm-hmm. and on the clock. Because I'm not going to lie, like, as a, we always say, nursing is damn stressful. And we see the same things revolve, right? There's no magical hospital, the perfect environment that you're going to go to, or you're going to quit this job, you're going to find a better job. Like, sometimes the grass is not always greener on the other side. Right. And if you're a staff nurse, maybe you just have to help the team create those positive changes that we're going to maybe cover. Not every single thing can be covered. Like, for example, the first one, reversal of the DNR order, you know, like that's that's patience. That's it, universal across the board of the United States. Right, and that's specifically geared toward nursing because if you guys don't know what DNR order is yet, it's basically a set of wishes that the patient wants done or not done on them. So let's say a patient is unconscious and is not able to make his own decisions and he had a DNR prior to that stating that that he does not want any intubation, doesn't want CPR or anything like that, any kind of end-of-life measures, right? He just wants to die as is. That's what DNR is. A DNR is basically, it's not saying that we're not going to try and keep you alive. It just lets us know how far you want us to take these measures before we say, hey, Let's end it here and let's have, you know, dad, mom, uncle, aunt, peace passfully. Yeah. And, and what makes it challenging for you as a nurse is let's just say that person was a DNR and they could reverse their code status in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, and 
they're going to be a full quota in the hospital. We know that like nothing could be done. Like if you have metastatic lung cancer, you know, you're suffering. There is no outcome for you, right? The, the care will be futile. Nothing that we can do for you right now is going to extend your life more than that's granted to you because of, you know, your situation. Right. You're going to have those patients, uh, med surge, ICU, oncology, it doesn't matter where, where in the chart it says the patient's code status is a, is a DNR, right? And the patient responding, you know, he's fully aware and he is very sick, right? And he slowly starts to decline, but he's aware of his DNR orders and he's okay with it. And he starts to decline, decline, decline. And he reaches a certain point where he's unable to make any more decisions, right? So you could talk to him, but he's incoherent. He's not making any sense or he's not really responding, right? So you call the family, update on what's going on. And they're the ones that are going to flip the DNR orders. Yeah. Because they want to spend more time with their loved one or they think their loved one could pull through. And it's not always the case, right? There's been many times where the family reverses DNR orders with the hopes of them recovering or getting better to their new baseline or whatever you want to call it. And it doesn't happen. It just progresses basically to to them coding or them being intubated, starting out pressures and, and all that stuff. Right. And, and it's, it's hard because especially now during during COVID, the family can't see their loved one in the hospital. You know, guests aren't allowed, visitors aren't allowed. And it's a lot harder to comprehend your loved one's struggle to live or their illness, their sickness, if you can't see them. You're only yeah. communicating by maybe FaceTime if your hospital does it or if the iPad's not being in use. And it's usually just verbal, right? And you're the usual one commun communicating this. So, so they're scared as is and they feel like they're they're not there for their loved one. They feel like there's not enough communication there. So they want to reverse those, those, those orders. And plus, you know, a lot of times family members are okay with this DNR orders or they're aware of this DNR order. And then something happens when their family member declines and they're so stressed and they don't know what to do. So by them not knowing what to do at that point in time, they flip the DNR order just to buy themselves some more time. Yeah. And it's not in the patient's wishes and that's why it's so hard to do. Yeah, and it's like that story I was saying. It's like, okay, the patient has lung cancer. We're going to intubate, they're septic, they're going to be on pressors, but that this is end of the line. Mm -hmm. Like this person cannot get any better. She might need a lung transplant, right? Is she going to be even a candidate with like mm -hmm. everything? What if her history is ETOH, you know? So I think the challenge is like to just be honest with the family and like create some realism, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody's realistic, of course, but that's your struggle as a nurse is just to help them understand. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like, I'm trying to think about this, but like sometimes we as the nurse suffers too because we're taking care of this person and we know that they're suffering more than they should. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm saying, futile cares. This person deserves to just rest in peace, to be honest, mm -hmm. yeah. instead of watching them suffer, you know, like, and I'm getting chills because it sucks watching people suffer for no reason. And sometimes it happens because of bad decision-making, like what we just said, mm -hmm. reversal code status. Yeah, the hardest... The hardest times I have with the DNA orders when they are reversed. So they usually the family reverses the DNA order, we intubate them, we put them on sedation, put them on pressors, right? Then we take them off pressors. And what does the family want to do? Let's try an extubation trial. So what does that mean? That means we gotta turn off all the sedation, right? Because they gotta extubate. And if patients like like almost end stage de dementia or you know they're they're not with it because they weren't with it to, to begin with, right? And then you just see them struggling in frustration. You can see their eyes open, they're in restraints because they're, they're going wild because you got to get them off sedation so they can breathe on their own before yeah. they excavate. And you know, even though they're they're showing these, these signs of kind of being being alert and moving and looking around and stuff, you know that when you ex extubate them, 
they're not gonna be able to read on their own. You know, their yeah. pressure support, their dual pressure support trials, you know, we have them try to breathe on their, on their own and they last a little a little bit, right? But a lot of times, fans want to push. It's, it's, it's trying to extubate, you know? And then you extubate them and then guess what? Three hours later, they're re-intubated. Yeah. The DNR order is, is still not, not with, withheld. Or they turn off the DNR and they never put it back because they want to keep trying. And that that's like the, that's a misery right there. That, that's putting somebody through torture through hell. I agree with you, Especially man. Especially if they have dementia and they don't know what's going on because even though they don't know what's going on, they still have feelings. They, they still have, they still feel pain and stuff like that, right? They still feel that they can't breathe. And that's just like literally human torture. And yep. that's like the worst thing in the world, I feel S- like. Especially dementia patients, man. Mm-hmm. Like what is going on in your mind? Yeah. And in that same category, it's also like dealing with like non-compliance. You know, mm-hmm. we have so many patients that, and we see them less as travelers, but if you're staff, you know your frequent flyers. You know the people that come in for the same things or they'll come in and they're not even grateful for the care that they're receiving mm-hmm. and they're freaking refusing pills, ref- refusing an IV, re- refusing a midline or something, but we're just trying to help you here. Then the question is, is like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. We can't provide you any service, any help if you're not willing to comply with us. Right. I felt that a lot when I was back in Chicago because we had the whole LVADs and if our hospital puts an LVAD in, even though other hospitals around the area do LVADs as well, they ship you back to where your LVAD came from, you know? So just because, like, it's a Northwestern does LVAD or whatever other hospital does, does LVADs, they might admit them f- for a little bit and then they'll give, give right back to us because it's our LVAD, so, like, we we guide the care. Our cardiologists guide their care, so they're going give to them, give them to us. And we had this one one patient and... What, we, what's an LVAD really quick, maybe, for those that don't know? A left ventricular assist device. So if your heart failure gets so bad where your left ventricle is literally... It's in failure and it literally doesn't have enough pumping power to push blood through your atrium, not atrium, but your aortic or aortic valve into your systemic body that you put a machine in to kind of just push it, bypass the aortic valve and give blood to your system that way. And we had this guy and we saved his life three times. He went to pump hemolysis three times. Pump hemolysis is literally when you don't take a Coumadin. So what happens is your your the machine just churns your, your blood because it's not where it's supposed to be at the proper level. Yeah, right? hemolyzes the hell so out of it. So basically hemolyzes. And... We saved this guy's life three times, and he was the most ungrateful person ever each time. And nobody ever wanted to deal with him because it's always the same thing. Never, never grateful, doesn't want to do anything. And he like, he understands that he almost died, but just because we, we saved his life, he thinks that it's not that big of a deal. Damn. You know, Damn. it's weird. Uh, I mean, he eventually died like like the fourth time that, that he came in for the same thing. But it's just it's, it just takes a toll because you feel like you're not doing anything. Like the patient came in, you saved his life. First of all, he's ungrateful. And now we have you saved his life one time, two times, this is a third time. And he still doesn't give a shit and he's still not gonna adhere to the to the treatment plan or anything like that. And he still belittles you, still talks shit to you and you feel useless. Like you feel all that care that you gave that 12 hours, you know is going to shit. You basically did it just because you had to. Yeah, it's the worst, you know? man. And you, feel, you just feel belittled. You just feel like, like your job is pointless. Yeah, and that goes into the second part, which is job satisfaction, mm-hmm. right? Yes, it's patience but it's also everything that we deal inside of the hospital like i'm surprised with all these years of just the hospital work like it's still like this Mm -hmm. like for example i think the biggest one is inadequate staffing right that is an ongoing issue there's always staff issues where you feel guilty because your coworkers are suffering and you want to come in and help out right you don't want to call. You need a day off. You need time for yourself. But it's that guilt mm-hmm. that the unit calls you. Hey, we're really short. We need help. Right. Right. 
I, I, I have less of that guilt as a traveler because I'm contracted and, you know, I know, I know I'm working my three shifts and it's not even worth it for me to pick up the fourth one because we get like freaking 25 bucks an hour or, right. or whatever the OT rate is. It sucks yes. compared to a staff that comes in and gets like a, you know, $400 bonus. Yeah, but you, you could tell which staff are getting burnt out. You could tell which staff have picked up a lot because when COVID was popping, the hospital I worked at, a lot of their, the staff picked up overtime. Yeah. A lot, they got they got paid very well, don't get me wrong, but you, you could tell they were tired. And you could tell if it's their first shift or their fifth shift or their sixth shift because their faces look different. Yep. You know, they lose their color and you know that they're not very satisfied. They're just there, there for the money, right? Yeah. And it just takes a toll and that has to do with inadequate, inadequate staffing, but it also has to do with nurses doing it to themselves. You know, you can't always put money first, right? You got to take care of yourself first and you can work overtime. It's fine to work overtime. Just understand when your body is able to handle that overtime, when you're mentally able to handle that overtime, right? Because there, there's times where you want to take the overtime, but you're super exhausted, you're super tired, you know you shouldn't, but you do it anyways. Yeah. And that just turns to a, and then it turns into, then instead of just being tired and frustrated at work, now you're bringing that home because now you're taking a day out of your social life, a day out of your day off, right? So it's much better to, to delay picking up shift. You might need the money, but it's better to, you know, not come in today and maybe do it next week or, or uh, following week where you're feeling a little bit better. If you feel like shit, don't pick up. Just just pick up a next like a next chance you get. Yeah. Money's always gonna be there. And, and and yeah, and like during that time, it's gonna be short staff. It's gonna be a heavier workload more than likely. Mm. So like that stress is just gonna make you damn irritable. And you know how mm. that goes, man. Like you know when you work, for example, like we do the stretch where we work three shifts. We're off one back for two mm. like that one day is such a teaser sometimes i get into work and i'm irritable yeah like it's it's not it's not that somebody did it to me don't take offense to me that i'm in a bad mood or i'm, I'm a little bit cranky but it's just like that's just how i'm sometimes dealing with it because it's just it's annoying man work is just this unpredictable position being yeah. a nurse man it's it's a gift and a curse where you're helping people but the unpredictability sometimes is just too stressful where it doesn't, it's not worth the money, man. Yeah. yeah, with the workload, like you may be staffed well, but unfortunately, you can't always, always staff for acuity, you could say, right? You could kind of guess, hey, which patient's sick, which patient's not. But there's there's times, you know, it doesn't matter if you're med surge, if you're ICU, like I'd say med surge or whatever, you have five patients or four patients. You know, there's those times where you have that nurse that seems like she got a really easy assignment and you're wondering why. But on paper, they their four patients look acute. And then you have another nurse that, kind of has the same acuity looking patients, but three of the patients are looking like shit and, and yeah. they have one solid stable patient, you know? And that, that's a heavy workload, right? It sucks. Even in, in the ICU, you know, just because you have two patients doesn't, doesn't mean it's any easier of a workload. It doesn't mean we're doing any anything less, right? You could have two busy ass patients, right? And you can't always staff for acuity because in ICU, it's ICU, so usually everyone is pretty damn sick. Hell yeah. You, you feel lucky on those days where, where you're kind of sitting around and talking a little bit more than usual. You like those days, you know, and you and you know when those days exist because on those days, you're actually probably more tired than on the days where you're running around, you know, because sometimes you're not necessarily bored, but you have some more downtime and you kind of appreciate the, the, the downtime so you don't know what to do with yourself because you're so busy running around where you're sitting by the computer more often than, than, than before and you really don't know what to do, Right. And that's why you get tired from, from that because you're so used to doing stuff. And that's why, like, when I was charged at, at, at Christ, like, people used to, you know, complain about their assignments, but it's super hard to staff on, on acuity. Yeah. Where you have to have 
lots and lots and lots of knowledge to be able to gauge how each patient is going to be. And not everybody has that. You know, not every charge has been a charge for 20 years or whatever. Yeah. And even if you've been charged for 20 years, you know, we're, we're humans. We're not a, a blueprint on, on what's going to happen. Just because this happened today, it doesn't mean this is going to follow. And that's what's bullshit because there's something called the grid, right? Mm. You have to follow the grid. If you have 10 patients, you could only staff five nurses in the ICU, right? Or you need five nurses and one break nurse in California. And that's messed up where like, Hey, if you have a bunch of one-to-ones or what, what one reason was like, so we have something called runners or nurse extenders. And because we have COVID and we can't like get out of the room so often, usually we have one nurse on the floor here in Cali where she's helping out, taking labs. Maybe we need some saline flushes in the room. Maybe we need turns. help with a turn bath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there was this one instant where if there was more, if there wasn't more than eight patients, we don't get that extender. Okay, just just because there's less patients doesn't mean that those five patients are less difficult or those nurses could help each other out. They're still in their rooms. Right. It's like they're off isolation. Right. And that's what the, the, the grid is a bunch of bullshit, man. That's why the hospital is just a business. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're the health staffing thing, the hospital could afford staffing. It it, it can. Like the one thing that that we'll talk about a little bit later that I want to reach out, so I'm not gonna t- touch yeah. on it now. But the next one is stress doesn't equate to pay. Yeah, nurses get paid a, a fairly good amount, especially when you come out of nursing school and you get those first few paychecks, you're like, damn, I'm making a good amount of money. But then as the years go on, you're just like, holy shit. I have friends that make the same amount of money and they don't got to deal with all this. You know, they get to, you know, come home and they don't have to work night shift. They don't have to work weekends. They, their holidays are off and they make the same amount of money as me and they work eight hours a day and it seems so much less stressful. Yeah. They don't got to worry about life and death. They don't got to worry about, you know, talking to family they're just you know, maybe in a cubicle or they're doing finances where yes money management is super stressful because if you mess with someone's money yeah you're gonna get get reamed you're gonna get bitched if, if, if you lose it right but what's beyond money is, is life i would rather call somebody and say hey i lost 100k of your money i'm sorry um it was a risky investment i lost it compared to hey um we tried to do what we can. Your dad just passed away. Right. It's like, what the fuck? Especially if their father was healthy in the morning and it deteriorated during the day. And now they're getting this, they got a nice update in the morning and now it's nighttime and they're getting a complete opposite news, you know? And, and that there's stress with telling the family that, but look how much stress you just went in to try and keep that patient alive. You know, it's, it's crazy. No there's idea. like almost no amount of money that's going to be able to, to equate to, to, to that. And, Another thing I want to bring up is, like, for most jobs, when you get a promotion, you get a bonus, it's financial, right? You, you, you had a good month of sales, we'll reward you with some money. You have a stressful day at work and nursing, you get food. Yeah. You, you, people buy this, all this food, you know, management buys us food, buys us this, but yet there's no money for any kind of raises and no money for increasing pay. Or maybe How like, sense? Or maybe like better equipment right. or something to help our job satisfaction. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. It's out the window. Here's right. some damn pizza. How does it make sense? Bunch all of other careers, bro. they get raises, they get bonus. Doctors get raises, they get praise, they get all this. And nurses, we get food. Yeah. Like, isn't that so weird? Imagine if the unit is successful and like it hits all these like unit goals that we have on these surveys, instead of freaking getting a nice little ribbon or daisy. Yeah, like imagine yeah. if we had like a little bump, you know? Yeah. And like, I know it's pay and that kind of sounds shitty because it's patient care, you should get a bonus. But still like that's enticing and that's like, 
that would motivate us more to work as a team. Yeah. Well, if the hospital is going good on numbers, guess what? They're going to bring in better physicians, especially if they if they have money from the government. They're going to get more money from the government because they're doing so good. And where does that money go to? It doesn't go back into nursing. Never where does. We're up, where we're upholding these these levels, right? It goes to a pizza party. And then, then who gets the money? Management, most likely. Who, the higher-ups. Because, because they're the ones that are getting praised for hitting all these numbers. Because they're the ones providing this, this data. Yeah. But we're the ones that actually that are making these numbers happen. And we get, we get food and we're happy because, hey, we got food better than nothing. Yeah. You know? But you know what else would be nice? Money. But we just don't... I feel like we don't bring it up enough. And the main reason why is because it's a female-dominant career, I think. And I feel like women are less inclined to, you know, bring those kind of things up. And... Just because people take our, our empathy for granted. Yep. It's okay. Cup of Nurses is making its way in nursing. So once there's a roar of Cup of Nurses, we'll make some freaking changes out here. Maybe yeah. we can make a Cup of Nurses union. Right. <laughs> and that's why I did travel nursing because yeah. like I'm still doing nursing care except I'm making a lot more money here than I, than I was back in Illinois. So why the hell would I not take this opportunity? You deserve right? it, bro. You, you know deserve it. Yeah. Third challenge is night shift and holidays. And I've been struggling with both. Um, for one, I've always worked night shift. So... I feel like I've always had a career and inconsistent schedule like mm. this where I'm hoping to go on days soon this summer or after our contract ends next time we do days just to have some regularity in my life. Mm. Like everything sometimes feels all over the place and sometimes that affects the business and everything that we do because our schedule is hanging upside down, dude. Yeah. Healthcare is just one of those businesses where it's a 24-hour job. Same with like people that work in warehouses, right? Like UPS, where you worked at, was was twenty four hours, wasn't yep. it? Yep. Yeah, and so so it's healthcare. So, and the thing is, you can leave boxes out, you know, f- you know, for a day. They can give you an emergency day off or whatever, but you can't just have a patient in, in a hospital laying there with with no care, right? It's it's not how it works. Like, these aren't supplies, these aren't equipment, these aren't items. These are human beings, and that's just the way it is. You got to have somebody there, no matter what. Holidays, weekends birthdays, parties, you know, reunions, there's got to be a nurse there. Yeah, I remember, man, I was younger because remember, I was 22, 23, working every other weekend. People are always partying, going places. It's warm weather. It's mm-hmm. summer. And I'm freaking stuck going to work, man. I, I, I hated myself once in a while about that. I'm like, why did I choose this career that I got to work weekends? Or, you know, there's a lot of holidays. Like sometimes... The family doesn't gather only when the holidays come together, right? And I, my ass has to go to work while my family's together singing or laughing, having a drink. Like, that bothered me, man. I feel like sometimes I, like, hated holidays or have or I have less joy for the holidays because of nursing almost. Mm-hmm. It sounds kind of messed up, but, like, I've always been working, dude, whether right. it's Christmas I have not spent Christmas Day with my parents for the past two years now. Yeah, a holiday doesn't mean anything if you're doing the same thing you're doing on a regular day, right? A holiday loses meaning very quickly if if you work it. Then it's not a holiday really anymore. It's just another day that you work. And if you're doing nights, that goes like twofold because if you're off Christmas Eve, but you're working the, the night prior, right? Then you're getting off work at seven a.m. on Christmas Eve. So then what are you going to stay up the rest of the day? You know, you're super tired. Yeah. What if you did three in a row? And then, you know, you're off Christmas, but technically you're off Christmas evening because, you know, you get off of work at seven o'clock in the morning on Christmas, right? So you got to sleep half the day. You're up at four, things that are going on. You're probably not even going to be able to go to sleep because you got to help your parents, you know, clean or cook food. You know, you just got to do stuff for holidays, right? So it's not really, it's not really 
Unfortunately, it's not really fair for, for, for nights. Not only is it messing with your circadian rhythm, it also literally messes with your social life, just everyday living. It's hard to manage if you don't do it properly. And, and of course, there's careers in nursing where you could have weekends off, where you don't have to work holidays. Mm -hmm. So, of course, if somebody's listening and they're like, oh, my God, I, I don't want this anymore for myself, or maybe you're a nursing student, well, there is other options because mm -hmm. you, you don't have to work in the hospital. I think it's a great starting point. You get to understand what like acute care is, and then you could venture out to other things that maybe is like secondary to the hospital, right? Like clinics or like the small ER room, being a Botox nurse. <laughs> although, although, yeah, there's there's a lot. Like, nursing is beautiful, and yeah, we complain about our job a lot. But right now, I, I don't see myself working in like a clinic, N not yet at least. Yeah. First of all, it, they don't pay me enough. You know, you you get paid more in a hospital. Than, than the clinic so you know for our business and our financial purposes the hospitals are kind of <laughs> we're kind of stuck for now you know yeah yeah till then yeah another challenge nurses deal with kind of goes into what we said before this is going to be inconsistent workflow yeah you might work three nights in a row three days in a row doesn't matter where you're at a hospital those three three shifts can be drastically different you really can't prepare you got the same three patients but they could be going on they could be they could be changing every day in that three days three three shift time period right you got this you have bob and steve and they could be going through a bunch of different shit in those three days yeah, they, they could, could be, be hypertensive right. one day hypotensive the next day giving Vomiting. blood another day or, or you transfer out or, or you come to hospital you transfer out patients one day get them submissions second shift you transfer them again and you, you, there's been times where I've transferred three patients in three days, and it sucks because then you know you had, technically had six patients to deal with. You know, it's crazy, man. It is, man, and it's it was worse when I traveled in Kaiser. Mm. Um, so before that, I wanted to say that like I feel like as a nurse, you always have like this little anxious butterfly feeling in your stomach when you start your shift, and that thought like. I wonder what kind of assignment am I going to have? Mm -hmm. That question always arises. We're actually going to work in a couple hours. Same question will arise, right? Mm -hmm. You just don't know. You don't. And as far as Kaiser, like that's a, that's a company I'll, or a hospital chain I'll never work for as a traveler because I used to float. That, that, that inconsistency, was, inconsistency was completely gone. For three months, I used to float twice a shift sometimes. One time, like I said before, I worked three shifts in a row. I charted on 24 patients, dude. That's crazy. Freaking dude. wild, unsafe. I don't even talk about it. <laughs> That's wild, dude. And that, that just adds to stress because not only is there so much stress in nursing, but now you're just adding more on because you don't even have the same patients. You know that even though you admitted this patient, you could get another mission in four hours and they can keep moving. They can keep moving. They can keep moving. And from unit to unit. So you don't even have that unit consistency, nope. you know, because here you're ICU nurse and you're going to stay in ICU. Yeah, you might have transfers, admissions, and all that jazz. But in Kaiser, not only are you going to have transfer admissions, but you're also going to be on different units yep. with different nurses. So you might have been very comfortable for four hours here and now you're going to throw in somewhere else. And it's yeah. just, just messing with you even more. Oh, yeah, it does. And it sucks, man. And even if you're a float nurse, that adds on to the inconsistency, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, there's like this pressure to know everything in nursing and... It gets rough because how often will a family call, ask you a few questions, maybe you just got a report, but in general, like patients are very complicated. Sometimes they're there for 30 days. A lot of things are happening. Antibiotics are changing. Medications are changing. Blood cultures, like you name it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know everything. And there's a lot of pressure from family. Sometimes a doc's going to call you and they'll ask you like a very specific questions and you're just like, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that that's 
that's a lot of pressure, man. Mm-hmm. Or even like they're doing rounds sometimes in the morning. I'm just like I'm scrambling to like get my eyes and nose in check, or making sure my chart is up to date because they want to see what's going on too. You know, mm-hmm. especially with the family. Like, here, physician, I don't feel like physician pressure you um, too much. These these types of physicians are, are are amazing. They make yes. you feel included, like the good vibes. Like if you don't know, don't know the answer there. Then it's it's okay. Like you know, you come back to them when you figure it out, or you know, or they'll just find it. You know, things like that. Very good communication, very loving atmosphere. But the hard thing is like the when the family comes in and let's just say a family comes in and their their loved ones hypotensive. You add a pressure on, and then you have to start a new one. And the family is like asking like, hey, why is my dad's blood pressure going going down? Well, I'm not. We're not sure yet. You know, it might be sepsis. We're doing blood culture. So you have a little a little bit of temp. But he doesn't have a temp anymore. Maybe we're not sure what's actually going on. And they're like, oh, well, this medication worked last time. Why are you guys adding a new one? Well, it was working before, but now we keep going up on it and it's not really working to its full potential. We got to add a new one. But it was working before. Why isn't it working now? Are you sure you know what, know what you're doing? Are you going to add any more medication? You know, the day shift nurse didn't have to add any, any medication. So it's like there's so much questions and we try to give an honest answer. But sometimes there's, right. there's so much going on with, with the patient that it's not always one cause. Or there is one cause, but right now we're trying to figure out which causes it. Yeah, you know, it could be it could be a number of things. Or, is he lacking blood? Is he going septic? What's what's going on? Does he need fluids? You know, it's crazy. Or it's like, like Nurse Peter, how long is uh, my father going to be on the vent for? Right. <laughs> yeah. I I can't tell you that because every patient is so unique and different. That's what it is. It's a human being. It's not like a vehicle where it's like. Yeah, you know, this vehicle, we've been having the uh, these this transmission issue for some reason, you know, but it's under warranty. There's a consistency there. Mm. There's already a solution because it's a mechanical problem with the human body and humans. One person could be on a vent for two days, they could get extubated. Right. Some person takes a week. Some person can't get extubated and need to get tricked. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Or, yeah, or the question is when they're thinking about withdrawing care, it's like, how long do you think my father's going to be alive for? Right. You know, you're just, you're just like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes they go to hospital, sometimes they die within hours. Like, that's like that question that always gets you hit with. Like, right. how, how much, how long do you think he's going to live for? Like, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I would say, I always tell him, if you, if you could visit now, I'd, I'd come visit now because there's, there's no time length for this. Every, everything varies. So if you really want to see your loved one, I recommend coming in sooner or later because we don't know how long this is going to take. You know, and it's it's just like that. Like we, we want to know these answers. We we want to know them, and we give answers because we want to give you the best guess that we can. But it's not like that. Yes. You know, we're not we're not. There's never there's rarely a hundred percent definitive answer that we're gonna give you. And this inconsistency like leads to exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Like just like we always talk about burnout. And a lot of people think like, oh, nurses only work three shifts a week. They they have it good. Mm-hmm. But we get we get very tired during this time, and that's why we always say focus on, you know, mindfulness, relaxation, and all this important stuff. Diet, nutrition, sleep—like it all comes full circle. Mm-hmm. If you're a nurse that doesn't take care of herself or yourself, you go into work, you get tired. Like your capacity to function at that freaking peak as a human, you won't be you won't be there, and that means you're going to be more tired, more exhausted more stressed out and that'll lead to whatever it does whether it's addictions or whether it's weight gain or stress you know right there's relationships yeah there's a difference between exhaustion due to a high workload and due to his work itself because me and matt we we feel exhausted after doing three in a row there's a difference between that and there's a difference between you finishing your three in a row and then you've been at home for three days straight and you're still exhausted that there's there's some other underlying issue going on. Is it your hormones? Is it your diet? Is it maybe you need more exercise? How's your social life? Because that 
that exhaustion from work shouldn't carry over to be the whole week worth of exhaustion yep. for you outside of hospital, right? It, it shouldn't. That just shows you that that you have to change something in your in your like actual life outside of work. Yeah, and I want to mention this exhaustion here. When you're a nurse, one of these challenges are is just having this on and off switch. So like, if you had a stressful situation, your patient died, you've spent time with this patient for three days in a row, and they're just they're not getting any better. We tend to take that home. We tend to think about that patient. I have like you know. Um, I don't want to say his name for because I've been taking it for the mm. past couple of weeks. Like that stuff lingers. Like we need to develop a healthy on and off switch. Meaning, when you work for a bank and you clock out, you're not thinking about c- counting money or checking those statements or whatever you do as a bank teller. You're off the clock. So nurses, we deserve the same thing. Mm. We're so stressed out. We deserve to carp- car compartmentalize that and just like. Let it go, put it to the side, because you deserve that peace of mind. Yeah, that's almost a skill. Yes, it is. It's, it's a skill that the earlier you learn how to do that, the better you, you are going to be long term. Because, you know, we're, we're humans and our career involves dealing with other humans, right? And when you deal with other people, there's always some kind of a relationship being developed, right? Almost like a relationship or a, or a bond for life. And with nursing, you can't always allow yourself to that bond to step outside of work. Right, because you meet somebody on the street and you could talk and you can remember for next time you could think about them, but in the hospital it's a little bit different because it's more like it's your job to to focus on them and think about them at that point in time, and that's it. You shouldn't take that home. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of hard hard to explain because us creatures we rely on relationship, we rely rely on communication, and we rely on memories of our relationships in the past and things like right. that. And that's why it's so hard for us to not take that home with us because. Generally, we want to build our relationships and want to hold those together forever. Yeah. Pl- right? Plus, like if you had that patient they coded, mm-hmm. like that's a human being there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just that n- whatever neuro circuitry connection you had with them, like it keeps like popping up in your life yeah. sometimes. You need good boundaries, and it's hard to set those boundaries, especially when you're young, because you're just a young nurse is always so happy, so so in. Like they do want to help. They want to talk to everybody. They want to help with everybody. They want to make all those connections. But you make all those connections, you need to bring them home, and it just could almost destroy your out of work, work, work uh, habits, your out of work mindset, and everything. Especially when you have you're that kind of person that kind of falls in like a good relationship, good relationship with somebody really quickly, and kind of stays there. And especially if you had that patient for three days, you know, and they're doing good and they're, they're doing good, they're doing better, they're doing better. It's been maybe a month, they're still in ICU and then they deteriorate and, and they pass away. That's, that's almost going to scar you. Yeah. Like it's great that you're able to relate to this patient on such a close level or you touch each other's hearts and you're not, almost never going to be able to like forget each other, you know, but it's also a negative because you kind of stepped away from that boundary. You know, you, it became less business, more personal because nursing is different because it's a lot personal and a lot of business and the boundaries are, are pretty tight compared to when you work at an office where you have boundaries that are less personal, right? And hospital, you have to, you have to be personal. It's part the, of your the, job, the best man. way to have your, te- have your patient learn from you or the best way to take care of your patient is to be personal, but only personal to a certain level. Yeah. And it sucks sometimes. I agree with you, man. The last challenge is 
the service sector mentality. So how often do you hear that or we treat patients like it's a five-star hotel? They feel like it's a five-star hotel. It's like the service sector. What do you need? This, that. You're, you're Sometimes you're walking back and forth and you're just like providing hospitality to patients. I hate it. And like they take you for granted for that. They think like it's your job. But in the background, you're doing so much like passing meds, checking labs, communicating with doctors. You know, you're the you're the middleman in between everything that's happening for that patient. You're advocating for them. But you brought there, you brought orange juice. I want apple juice. And they freaking just like treat you like shit sometimes, right. man. You get bossed around all damn shit sometimes. And, you know, that irritates you, man. Mm. That makes that job, your job that much harder. It does. Sometimes it's not the patient's fault, but it's still it's very irritating because, you know, some people just want you in the room sometimes, you know, and you know you can't be in, in yeah. there, right? So sometimes what I learned, if you have a really needy patient, it's, it's better to stay in the room a little bit longer and have a conversation with them because they're missing that, especially now during COVID. I mean, we're working at ICU, so we can't even really talk to patients because they're intubated and all that. But before, what I've learned was if you have a really needy patient that keeps asking you for things, keep on to you in the room, it's the call light that says, oh, I hit it by accident. But then while you're here, give me this. And you're going to get, oh, I hit it again by accident. But while you're here, give me this. A lot of times, just during med pass or during assessment, just talk to them. Stay there a little bit longer. Yeah. And that might be, be just enough. Of course, you have those patients that just don't care and they believe that they're in a hotel. And as a nurse, you're, you're secondary to the doctor and you're just there to meet their current needs. Yep. Their needs, not only their needs, but their wants. So if I'm thirsty and I want some ice in my water because my water is too warm, I want that ice now. And not only do I want that ice, I also want that juice, like Matt said. And not only do I want that juice, I also want this medication because I've heard somebody take it. So now I'm going to make you do reaching on a medication, ask for medication that maybe has nothing to do with their treatment plan. Yep. So oh, they're always going to find some blanket. Right, warm blanket. You know, things like that, you know. And it just it's, it gets very overwhelming and that probably frustrates me more than anything else. Yep. Because then I'm like, you're holding me back from doing my job because I have other patients and you're just being an asshole and you kind of know you're being an asshole. Sometimes you got to put them in their place. Be like, hey, I'm not going to be back until an hour. So let me know what you need right now and I'm going to bring it to you. But for the hour, I got other patients. And, and that's not bad what Peter's saying. You, you just have to respect yourself at that point. You mm -hmm. have to cl clear up that boundary. You got to realize that unfortunately you are being taken advantage of. Of course... As a nurse, you make that judgment. Hey, mm. I provided everything that patient needs right now. They're just being a little bit too extra, mm. right? Yeah. And then have respect for yourself to clear cut boundary. Like, hey, listen, I did everything. I have other patients that deserve my care just as much. Or mm. I have a sicker patient next door that needs my company right now. I'll be back. Mm. And you just, just got to leave sometimes, man. Right. You're not being a dick, but these patients could literally step over you, man. Yeah. You could be bringing this patient orange juice and all these things for an hour while your patient could be almost dying in, in the next room. Like if, if it's hard for you to set boundaries like that with, with, with your patients, you're gonna learn real quick when that happens to you. When you're too busy serving this patient and your patient over there is having a hard time fucking breathing and you're just like, yo. And you, then you kind of, then, then you kind of end up almost snapping on the patient because then you're so overwhelmed because your patient's crashing and you gotta bring this guy more things. Yeah. But then you'll learn that over time, you'll be kind of more more assertive with your patients and maybe you'll be able to pull, put off that, that vibe that, hey, like, like I got you what you needed and you're gonna need to leave me alone for a little bit, right? But what ties into that very nicely is the lack of respect. Because a lot of times you have that family member that say, let me talk to your doctor, you're just a nurse. Or the patient says, you're giving me recommendations, you're just a nurse though. 
let me talk to my doctor. And you're just like, like, yeah, I know I'm just a nurse or, or whatever, but you know, I've been doing this for X amount of years. And trust me, I've seen patients in your shoes a handful of times. And this is what happens this is the medication that we give. This is the reasoning behind it. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah I know, but I just want to see a doctor. So you do, you do sometimes feel that disrespected and lack of respect. And that goes from both ways from physician, especially when you have a physician talk down at you. In this hospital, I feel a large amount of respect. 100%. You know, because, you know, a lot of times you know stuff that a doctor doesn't know. And, you know, they thank you for reminding them and things like that. But this happens a lot with, with when you have new residents come on because they just finished their, their school. They went all those years through school and they think they're top dog. They know this shit. But hey, I've been a nurse for X amount of years. Like, hey, this is the first time your ass is in the hospital taking care of your own patients, right? Like I've been dealing with these people X amount of years. I've been doing hard for them for X amount of years. How are you going to tell them what to do? How are you going to disrespect me and tell me I'm wrong when, when we're going to wait an hour and then we're going to see who's right? It's like God syndrome, man. Yeah, it's, 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 that's very frustrating when you, when you have that. I haven't dealt with that very often just because we're a pretty much a closed unit in, in Chicago and here we don't have residents. So I haven't really felt that, but when we have residents come in from Chicago with different specialties that randomly just, just come to see somebody for some reason because we're just there as an overflow, they give you that kind of attitude, like, like they ask you a qu- question and you answer it and they're like, like no, that's, that's not right. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like, okay. They I, just I think they're the shit, man. It's, yeah, it's man. funny, dude. It's really funny. And you just made me think about it because in these past six months, I've had no issues. Back home in Chicago, I had a few of those doctors, mm. residents. But it is what it is, man. Yeah. You know, all usually happens is like a resident comes around and they're not sure what's going on and you can kind of tell them they're not going on. You give a recommendation. They're like, no, 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 no. That, that, that can't be it. Then they leave and you see them put the order in for the recommendation that, that, you, that you gave. They don't come back and call you, hey, put the order in. They put the order in themselves. Yeah, but because, they're fucking, because they're fucking embarrassed, dude. Yep. And I just, I just smirk. I'm like, yeah, you son of a fucking bitch. I knew I was right. Why, why could you listen to me, dude? Like, yeah, it's his first time here. I've been here for four years. Like, you know, four years, it doesn't seem like a whole lot, but you can learn a lot in four years. I'm just like, yeah, and it's, it's kind of pissing me off sometimes. And I see the guy again, and I look him in the eyes, and, and you know, he tries to act all stern. And, and he knows what's up. Yeah, and then, he's, and then he just, like, says, like, a, like, a, like a statement that I obviously wouldn't know because I don't have medical knowledge. And I'll be like, okay, like, you're trying to outsmart <laughs> me here. Like, this is where we're already passed. Like, oh, I'm not right. worried about it. I just, want to, I just want to look you in the eye just so I can, you know, show my dominance for a se- just one second, you know? Right, yeah. Hell yeah, so It's kind of feeding the problem, too, sometimes. It's feeding the, the ego a little bit, yeah. but it's a male There's thing, There's only so right? much you could take, you know? If it keeps going on and on, just like, man, like, yeah, you're fucking wrong, and I was right, just admit it. When I'm wrong, I, I admit it, you know? Yep, and, and that goes perfectly into challenge number five that is universal in the hospitals. Anywhere I have ever been, stepped foot in the hospital, this happens. Hospital politics, you cannot avoid it. Even as a travel nurse, you slightly get tied into it when we kind of mentioned our little experience with the whole social media thing. But for the most part, we have that separation. But hospital politics are everywhere. Night shift, day shift dilemma. It could be staffing or someone's picking up. If you're in a union hospital, it could be like literally filing grievances because that, um, that nurse picked up a shift. They gave him overtime but I have more seniority and they didn't call me for overtime. Mm-hmm. You file grievance, right? So there's all this little stuff that always happens, man. Just unrealistic expectation from nurses across the board, man. Right. Especially with like, there's always positives with management. No matter where you go, no matter what job you work with, there's always a dilemma, a conflict or, or drama going on between, you know, your management levels and your staff workers. And that's the same thing in nursing. You would think that, our career revolves around healthcare, revolves around saving lives, around people. Somehow we'd figure out a way to not 
have that in our career, right? Because we're dealing with lives and somehow it's just still there. And sometimes it's even worse because sometimes I hear drama in the hospital and when I talk to our, our buddies that have jobs, there's no drama. Like how the hell is there drama in a workplace that deals with saving lives and keeping people alive? And there's no drama in somebody that does finances, management, that does construction. Like how the hell does that make any kind of sense? Yeah, I think the stress really adds on to things. The so stress probably really adds stress, on to it. Uh, it's a very female dominant profession, mm-hmm. everything else. It's kind of funny because one instant that really reminded me of just the politics is like, you know, there's always this management thing, right? And uh, we have like this giant uh, drawer at the hospital full of like cookies, treats and all this stuff. And like a week later, they took like baggies and put a bunch of sweets and said, thank you for your service. And like all these nurses are like, they just literally took stuff out of our own drawer. Like they didn't give a shit. <laughs> like, we already had this. You yeah, know? isn't that crazy? And it's like, they don't because what it is is just we don't feel appreciated sometimes for management because mm-hmm. they don't understand what happens, you know. And then they have the, these unrealistic expectations, or we already had one fall in the ICU, we can have any more falls in the ICU. It's like, okay, well, do you understand that this is a job that like we don't know what the hell is going to happen? Like, mm-hmm. we can only try so hard, right? Yeah, yeah things like that, went, man, right? Or we, they're saying we had a fall, but nobody brings up how much days we've been short staffed. We've yeah. had one fall in January. That means we got to go 11 and a half months without falls. Yeah, well, we've been short um, eight months out of the... Uh, we've been short eight months in 2020. In 2020. What the hell is the risk for that? Can right. we be fully staffed for eight months in 20, yeah. 2021? It's like the media, dude. Why don't you guys congratulate us on, you know, social distancing and wearing these masks or anything? There's never, like, a positive message on, on that. It's always yeah. just like... Oh, that's that's keep on happening, man. We need to get jabbed. Right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, it's, dude, man. Like, yeah, nursing is super stressful, man. Like, there, there's like, like in nursing school, people tell you there's a lot of stress associated with it, but they don't but teach I, you I feel the real like shit. The physician or not physician, but the professors don't give you the full scoop because they don't want to push you away from nursing. Almost, you know? Yeah, for real. Because a lot of people would not be nurses in a hospital or in general if they really got the full taste of what nursing is. Maybe I might have not. I might maybe I might have did a career change if if somebody legit showed me or let me partake in actual nursing because in clinical yeah you partake but you only just like have a little bit of it yeah low key a man. little bit of it because they don't first of all the schools don't let you do everything right you can only do a certain things right like you can only do you know X Y and Z but if they're doing this you, you can't take part of it sometimes when I like. When I was like doing clinicals, I heard a little bit of that like cattiness yeah. here and there, or you like picked up on shit that's happening, but you never connect the dots mm-hmm. of like what it's gonna really be about. Yeah. And, a, and another thing, what I mentioned at the beginning of the show is like, why are they still teaching us care plans, dude? Did, did, did your care plan that you freaking been doing for two years in nursing school for your grade ever help you with a code or? Any real nursing knowledge in like the hospital? Dude, never. Right, but we still have to do them. (laughs) It's a waste of time. And it's like some people pass and fail nursing school based off care plans. Right. Like what the hell, a care plan, dude? Dude, once you leave nursing school, there's nothing, nothing care plan related. You don't even burn that shit away. You can put that shit in a fire, dude. Yeah, we're not doing no nursing diagnosis, to be honest. Like that's already laid out for us. Like we make notes that are like, important mm-hmm. like hey this is what happened pressure dropped this is how we solved it maybe or something about a procedure yeah. like something critical we're not freaking doing okay um pulmonary edema so i'm gonna pull oh patient is fluid overload mm-hmm. and secondary to as evidenced by like right. we ain't doing that shit <laughs> imagine how how long did it take to do a care plan at school a couple hours right yeah imagine if only three hours of shift to doing care plans dude 
Holy shit. Nothing would get done. You talk about understaffing, dude, it would be super short. Three hours, three hours of shift. There's no patient care going on. We're doing care. All right, guys, it's care plan hour. No, turn, I'll put the call lights. Hey, P, watch my patient, dude. Yeah, I need I'm to finish do, this care plan. Yeah, dude. right? I'm, if somebody said, hey, I got to do care plan, I'd fucking look at them like crazy, dude. <laughs> I'll be, dude, I'll be like, oh, yeah, man, that's care plans. Dude. It's crazy, man. I never understood that, too. Never, man. And it's still being taught. Yeah, like I understand that maybe they, they help with you figuring out the disease process. But there's probably a better way to figure out the disease process than doing care plans because I didn't know shit from care. I didn't learn anything from care plans. I did it because I had to do it. And I was clueless on how I was doing. I think what they're trying to do is like make you critically think about the the patient on a holistic level. Mm. But there's different ways to do that, man. Just you know what they like should do? Say. Get rid of care plans and add an extra day of clinical. That's going to be so much more beneficial, dude. So much more beneficial. That's the best thing you said today. Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> or add a lab <laughs> day or some shit. But labs weren't, weren't the same as clinical. If you could... Burn those damn care plans, add an extra clinical day. That's going to make your students so much smarter and more prepared for the future. I would hit the gong on that note. Because yeah. if, if, if some of our viewers would come up to us, ask how to do a care plan, I wouldn't know how to tell you. I'm sorry, we're a nursing education-based based podcast, but I can't tell you how to do, do a care plan. My, Go my, to professor. Yeah. Go on Google at this point. To, dude, mine were worse too. Like some people had to like to do a report. I had to do a giant poster board, man, with like circles, squares, and triangles mm -hmm. based on like what it is and like connect the dots and different colors for each diagnosis. Oh man, I, just, I feel like it's just a nightmare right now yeah, thinking man. about it. Yeah. All, All right. right. Right, folks, we got to go to work in a couple hours. So we're going to brew some coffee. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We talked about five common challenges nurses face. Just five. There's probably 600 of them. We could probably make a care plan out of how many challenges there's you have. But, you know, we'll say that for next episode. And don't forget, 420 is that magic date. Put in your calendar. A couple of nurses are making an announcement. Let me go, guys. Peace. Peace.